Welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bomb Podcast. This is episode number 112, and it is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's going on? Lots going on. Uh, it's been kind of a rough week, and I'm happy to be on the podcast again, doing what I love doing the most. Yeah, we're getting into the Olympic spirit. I know we've been both watching a lot of a lot of skiing and a lot of other events. It's kind of bits and pieces, but it's nice to have that like, hey, I'm watching skiing. It's pretty cool, you know? It's so cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's that one time every four years where everyone gets into skiing. So thank you all so much for listening. You can check us out at skibumpodcast.com. All of our information is there. You can check us out on social media, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast. We are on Pinterest as the Highfalutins, and we are on SoundCloud as highfalutin ski bum and if you could please go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe and rate us that would really help us out and help us to spread the ski bum love that we love to share with you so with that let's kick it off the way we always do it's time for our prey today mario what are you drinking today i pray today so uh I don't know, the weather down here in Florida has been changing a little. It's been hot, cold, and I mean, hot and cold for them is between, you know, 65 and 85. So it's really not the same as somewhere else, but my sinuses are not agreeing with it. So I'm having a nice little, uh, one of my Kentuckian toddies or hot toddies, whatever we're calling them, but uh, it's got bourbon. It's got a little chamomile tea and a lot of goodness, a little bit of honey in there. Perfect. Look at that. Something for everyone in there. Yeah. How about you? So I'm going back to one of our favorites. I was up in Vermont this past weekend. And to my surprise, something that I usually had to travel another hour or so north for was right at the gas station where I was fueling up. So Damn. I got me a Lawson's Finest Liquids Sip of Sunshine. Just hanging out, whipping through, getting some gas. You're like, hey, I'll pick up a sip of sunshine. You know what? That's the thing about Vermont that's so cool is you never know like when you encounter a convenience store or a yeah, gas station where you are just discovering a a an un, untapped, you know, treasure trove of beers because there's just so many good little local breweries and they have all their, you know, interesting distribution methods. So, you uh it's worth checking out every place that has a cooler because you never know what you're going to find. So it's kind of like the PBR up there now, right? It's uh, it's almost like like PBR Stout, <laughs> the, the special limited edition version of PBR that just, just as easy to get as PBR now. So it's, it's kind of a unicorn. Not right. quite that easy. It's Not still quite. a little bit harder. Yeah. Stick with the sip of sunshine if you can get your hands on it. It is one of the best IPAs on the planet. It is like a little bit of sunshine in every can. It really is. Is that yeah. aftertaste that's like like sunshine Skittles. It's great. Perfection. Oh. Uh, while we're in the uh, operate today, uh, we got some uh, some news. So Craft Beer sues Big Beer, uh, and Craft Wine wants in on the drama. So on Monday, Stone Brewing Company announced uh, a video detailing a lawsuit that they filed against Miller's Coors regarding the Keystone brand. So according to everybody, I guess this is coming out where they're saying uh, they're referring to Keystone as Stone for decades and Stone Brewing 
is saying, well, it's infringing on their copyright and stuff like that. Um, a lot of people are saying it's a publicity stunt, but hey, it's getting us to talk about it. That's right. So why not? And it's actually highlights that, you know, something that's going on with uh, the fight of the big versus small beer war right now. So it's kind of neat to see. Yeah, it's funny how this is, it's kind of ridiculous. You know, like we talked a few months ago about all like Moosehead Brewery, how they're like suing all these little breweries who have anything to do with moose or beers pretty much. Yeah. And now you have- They were suing over a logo because it had a moose in it, but it didn't look anything like their moose logo. It was weird, right? Yeah, nothing even close. But now, yeah, Stone is is kind of going a bit on the offensive, which is kind kind of funny and- kind of cool so good for, for them nothing. they're one of those breweries who like the people have to said they're, they're never going to sell out to a bigger brewery they're like going to keep it real until yeah. the day they die well not for nothing miller's cores has the money so why not why not go after them? hey if you can get a little uh little other cash go for it you know yeah well i know like so a uh, greg co who's like the i don't know if it's co or coke the the head of of stone brewing and the co-founder he he always like publicly attacks any brewery that sells out. I remember a couple of years ago when Ballast Point sold out to Constellation, he was just like trashing them beside himself, right? Yeah, because they're another, you know, they're they're a San Diego brewery too, and I guess they, you know, they uh, they struck while the iron was hot, and uh, you know, cashed in on they made what like like one point five billion or something Ballast wow. Point when they sold. So. The funniest thing is when we were up in, at like Ben and Jerry's at one time, we're like, yeah, you know, it's like real cream. And then we get to the end of that little tour thing that you get at, and there's this big Unilever sign. And it's like, fuck, they sold out. And we didn't even know it. Unit yeah. goddamn lever. Yeah. And you're not thinking it's like some fresh, creamy Vermont mojo going in there, and it's Unilever. It's like, damn. It's like, hey, man, you can actually meet the cow where the cream came from and <laughs> need your ice cream. Or you can meet the corporate uh, logo that we have out here. Yeah, they just use fake cows and kinds of toxins and Monsanto injections (laughs) in their faux headless cows. Monsanto milk. Yeah. Crazy. So, Yeah, so craft breweries going after the big guys. Keeping it real. And then another beer story we have this week. This is pretty cool. And this is the second year that Long Trail has done this. But since we are recording this on February the 15th, and this should be out hopefully the 16th, maybe the 17th, uh, Long Trail is releasing on the 16th, Friday, their Medicator beer. We got to get somebody to get some of that for us. Well, what's the Medicator, you ask? Huh, great question. It is Vermont's first CBD-infused beer, and it's now available in cans. Uh, I guess last year they just had a uh, must have had it on draft at the brewery itself. That's awesome. Uh, they canned a batch of our hybrid IPA slash American pale ale that's finished with terrapins and hemp oil from our friends at Lucy Farm in Stockbridge. Oh, that's awesome. So you're getting like real CDB medicinal stuff. Not going to get you high, but it's nice they put it in there. It's like healthy beer. Yeah, it's really cool. They, um, Recipe incorporates Columbus, Citra, and Mosaic hops, but the lion's share of the flavor and aroma comes from the terrapin compounds extracted from the hemp plants. Smooth yet sticky, the beer boasts one of the most unique flavors of any we've brewed to date. 
a powerful and pronounced cannabis character that sh- uh, that is sure to cure what ails you. Very nice. And they're going on sale Friday, the uh, 10 a.m., February 16th. Dude, that's going to be like, there's going to be a line for that. Yeah, they're saying they're going to have it all weekend, but I'm sure it'll sell out relatively quickly. I think the last few years, Long Trail's really been stepping up their game. They did the, uh, I think was it last year they did Citrus Limbo and they did some other, or two years ago did Citrus Limbo, and they started like picking up like a little bit of their marketing and stuff. I don't know. It seems space like Juice, they got on Draft Now places. I love space juice. Space juice is so good. Um, yeah, they've been they got the hibernator back this year. Day because of that. So yeah. Oh, they got rid of sick day. Yeah, I guess they could only choose one or the other. So they they pulled sick day and they put wow. you know the hibernator back. You know, sick day will always remind me of the first ski bum week. So it's got a very special place in my heart. And uh I'm sure they'll bring it back in a couple of years once we've, you know. I think we've forgotten about it. You got to get some of it and get a, get a few cans and put it next to the four locos that you got in the fridge. Still, so. my vintage can of four loco. Your vintage cellar of cans that you have going with your four locos. Yeah, I still have a can of Red Bull Cola too. Boom! Look at that. That was that was when we were in Austria. That was awesome being able to get that again. Yeah, that's right. I don't even I don't even drink soda, but some about that Red Bull Cola, man. It's Did good. You bring stuff. that back from Austria when we were there. I brought a couple back. Yeah. And plus those Red Bull chocolates, those like dark chocolates. Those were cool. I remember looking at that going like, I don't really know what's in here. It's chocolate plus other stuff. That weird can where you kind of press the middle and like the sides popped out. Yeah, it's pretty cool. There was that and there was something else Red Bull that we got that was good. Not Speckstuba. Speckstuba. Oh my God, that place is awesome. The meat chips, the Speckstuba meat chips. That was awesome. We were eating those all night. I was like, I gotta stop eating these. They they taste it's it you feel like you're eating chips, but like no no, I'm just eating meat right now. It's, they figured it out. It's like it tricks you. Like you think you're eating a chip, it's like no, it's it's all meat. It's sausage right now you're eating. How can they you know what they need to figure out? How to make meat salsa. So you could be dipping your meat chips in your meat salsa. Meat? Uh they could probably do that. Instead of tomatoes, it's all just like meat bits. And just like tomato juice, that's it. Meat bits and tomato no, juice. No, just blood. Just uh-huh. blood. So that's jumping the shark now. I'm happy to do that. Just a just a meaty bloody salsa. Bloody salsa, blood salsa. And you know what go good with that? One of these medicators, I'm sure. Oh, wash it down with a bunch of those. Especially oh. after a day of skiing. Just have some medicators and, and chill out. Did you Help feel you so good after yeah. that? No paranoia, just chill. Just your joints would feel wonderful, you know. You like the hot that. tub after. That in the hot tub? Hot tub, oh yeah. Oh. Hot tub time machine. There's your Chernobyl right there. That's, that's right. That's it. Oh, that's a good That's a good night right there. Indeed. Then you're probably taking like a 20-hour tw- nap afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into the Genjula. And this week, um, we've got our Frank's Bean of the Week, and this is a special one. So, our our friend Frank, he just found out that his wife is pregnant with a baby girl. Wow, congratulations, Frank. Congratulations, Frank. And, and Mrs. Frank. Mrs. Frank. <laughs> Mrs. Beans. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so with that, he's uh, we're going with the Angel OG. Parker Angel OG is a 
fruity cush cross that drapes the body in mellow effects from head to toe. This strain's OG Kush times blackberry lineage gives the buds an aroma of earth, pine, and sweetness while supplying the consumer with potent physical effects. The strong, relaxing properties of Angel OG are ideal for patients suffering from chronic physical pain, insomnia, and stress. And I'm sure having those long, sleepless nights with that new baby, Angel OG is going to come in very handy. Oh, look at this. Like, the positives. Relaxed, happy, sleepy, euphoric, and tingly. I like the tingly. That's, that sounds intriguing. Let's see the, me- the negatives. Really dry eyes, really dry mouth, and pretty dizzy. <laughs> okay. Pretty so there's dizzy. a good and bad to this. Yeah. It's almost like the dry eyes is to the max. The dry mouth is almost to the max. And the dizzy is just below the dry mouth. So... I don't know about that. Hey, you know, there's no free rides in this world, right? There's a there's good and Wait. bad. Well, I guess you get happy, sleepy, and euphoric. Yeah. Happy, sleepy, euphoric, and dizzy at the same time. So that could be a, a good effect. Let's call it a good on, in this situation. I think that's a good thing, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's good for insomnia, pain. Oh, you said this. Insomnia, pain, fatigue, muscle spasms. Wow. Yeah. You're having a spasm. I got a cramp. I need weed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of tired. I need weed. <laughs> a little paranoid. Paranoid that I can't get weed. I need weed. That's, That's awesome. right. All right. So while we're on the gondola, um, a Canadian health insurance company is going to cover medical cannabis. So a major Canadian health company will, uh, Sun Life Assurance Company, uh, which I now have to get insurance from, we all have to, um, is going to add cannabis to its group benefits plan on March 1st. So it's going to be the first uh, major Canadian insurance company to take this step. And what they're going to do is um, the yearly maximums for those who will be covered range from uh, $1,500 to $6,000 per person. Wow. So they list the conditions and symptoms and be as being eligible for coverage. Uh, so if you have cancer, multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, HIV AIDS, um, and palliative care. What's palliative care? No idea. I don't know, but I have it. <laughs> Just found out I got it. I gotta look it up, you might not not say that. Yeah. Palliative care, I've never heard that. It is. Palliative care. Just specialized care for people with serious illness. So it's just a type of care. So I, I don't know if it's like hospice or just like severe care. Yeah. And Oh, is there a difference between palliative care and hospice? Both provide comfort, but palliative care can begin a diagnosis. And at the same time as treatment, hospice care begins after treatment. Ah, uh, okay. So technically, we're all in like palliative care, really. You know, we are slowly, we're all slowly uh, going to that end, right? We're all one step closer to death every breath, so. That's right. That that sentence right there, that took a little bit of my life away. It did, so. And that's why I need weed, because I'm now stressed that I wasted that instead of being skinny. Yeah. (laughs) So that means we all should be available for this coverage. That's right. We can get a, a high flute and ski bum group plan. We'll get everybody on that. 
Yeah, we, we have to look into our uh, our articles of of incorporation and see where health healthcare. That's right. In. Well, we'll become a health 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 provider, a reseller of healthcare. Yeah. So six thousand dollars a year in weed you're capable of getting through this. A year. I wonder if they have like this like ridiculous backlog of people who are applying for this. Oh, I'm sure they got people all over. But it's good at least to see that they're addressing some of the serious illnesses. I mean, that's what it's for. Yeah. Are they calling this like like Trudeau care? Trudeau care. They should, right? Brand everything. Yeah. Oh, what's going on with Jersey? Are they uh, moving any further along? Yeah, they're just there's. I I look every day for new news, and I think they're honey. They're trying to expand medical. They're trying to expand medical, and then um, they haven't quite defined what that's going to mean. And then some people are pushing back. Some people are pushing harder for. So it's a whole lot of just bunch of saber rattling, and you know. People, you know, going, oh, I'm not going to legalize it in my county. I go to church, and God forbid someone uses cannabis to to heal themselves. Well, I go and drink the blood of my God, which is actually just Carlo Rossi wine. It's just we it's are getting more and more ridiculous as a society yeah. every day. But you know, it'll be there eventually. You know, people are going to look back at this era, look back at. <laughs> the prohibition of alcohol and go, wow, we were a bunch of cave people back then. So yeah, it's, it's going to be like all in due time. All in due time. Let's go to ski news. Let's do it. So it looks like snow is finally coming back to the West. There was a bit of an ugly period there uh, out in Utah and Colorado specifically. Where it was they a big were just dust ball, wasn't it? A little bit, yeah. I actually have a someone I know going out to Telluride in two weeks, and they were freaking out a bit, like looking at the forecast because there was just there was nothing there. They're watching the webcams and whole lot of nothing. Um, but it looks like a lot of people's concerns are being taken care of this week. I was just looking on Twitter before the podcast started, and it looks like Park City. Alta Snowbird, all the big Utah resorts are getting, they've got already between 12 and 18 inches in the last 24 hours. So they're getting pounded. Um, Jackson Hole's got, gotten, they're just north enough where they've been getting a lot of the snow that's been missing Utah and Colorado. So yeah, they've been getting all year though, right? They've, oh, they're, in, they're in great shape right now. Yeah. The problem with Telluride is yeah, I went so there – the first time I went to Telluride, they got they had nothing, and they got four feet just before he showed up. And the problem with that is they they didn't open any of the bowls because they kept blasting them for uh, there nothing was settled, so they had to keep blasting for avalanche. Oh yeah, that sucked because you like you see it there, you're like, oh nice, this is a yeah, we get some good snow. Then it's yeah, ooh, it's too dangerous to see on. Yep. So it wasn't open the whole week. We were like, ah, oh. every day we'd go by, look at the bowl. Looking at it, looking at it, and then you hear everything blowing up. Like, okay, we can't go. Oh, damn it! Yeah, so it looks like out west there's about two or three storm systems that are lined up, and uh, Wyoming, Montana, and Idaho 
they're going to get smacked the next seven days. Um, first storm is hitting today, Thursday. Uh, next one is hitting Friday and Saturday and the third, uh, Saturday afternoon through Monday morning. And looks like for the big ones out there, Jackson Hole, Grand Targhee, Sun Valley, Schweitzer, Whitefish, Big Sky, about one to three feet. Hmm. Uh, wow. Colorado's already getting – they're getting some good accumulations. Um, but the Friday through Saturday, they're getting a little bit more. Uh, Pacific Northwest is getting hit. California, finally you get a little bit of snow, which is good in the, the Tahoe region. That's pretty cool. Um, so this is according to On the Snow. They have uh, Chris Tomer's take there. And they're saying if you could do it, you know, if you, if you have carte blanche of where you're skiing, Friday, ski in Colorado at Steamboat Vale or Wolf Creek. Saturday, go to Schweitzer or Whistler. And on Sunday, ski Jackson Hole or Big Sky. Whistler, that's on the list. That's coming up it would soon. Be nice. It would be nice to just be able to just do that, you know? Yeah. Just bounce over from uh, from Wolf Creek and head up right okay. to Whistler. And then go head out to Jackson Hole on Sunday. Keep it in the lottery. That's true. A dollar in a dream. You could make this happen. I think... Uh... You want to pause it for a second? I think I'm getting there's a delay. Oh really? Yeah. Like I don't. Do you, do you hear the delay? That I'm going. No. You want to turn the uh, cameras off? Turn the. I'll turn the camera off. Yeah. That could Save some bandwidth. Yeah. All right. There you go. All right. So I'll just keep going on. Okay. All right. Next up, we have. Um, a missing white face skier found alive in California. So this is a really bizarre story. So um, last week on Wednesday, um, a guy vanished while on a skiing trip and it triggered a massive search for a few days at Whiteface. Uh, the guy's from Canada and he was at Whiteface skiing. Um, he shows up in Sacramento, California they said he turned himself into to authorities wearing a ski jacket, pants, and carrying his helmet. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so this guy's actually from Toronto and he's a, a firefighter. And now, usually, you know, the, there was actually a lot of snow up in Whiteface, which is Lake Placid, New York. Yeah. Um, and I remember I was just up in Vermont this past weekend and they, we saw it on the news on Saturday. Like they, wow. they kept showing this, you know, this guy's been missing since Wednesday. And we're like, oh my God, he's he's dead. He's definitely gone. And there's no way he must have got stuck in an avalanche or fallen off a cliff or something. Yeah. But yeah, all of a sudden they, they like he's like, oh yeah, he just kind of sort of showed up in Sacramento, in Sacramento out of sorts. So it's like, what the you hell? Know? And he's he's Canadian, but he so he left his passport back home or back in um Lake Placid, and. Wow. Uh, we found a follow-up story. Apparently he just like, he still doesn't really know exactly what happened, but he was on like a, like a big rig for a while. What? And then they just kind of dumped him off at a McDonald's at some point, I guess out by Sacramento. Wow. That's messed up, man. It's so, so weird. To yeah. On a big rig and be in Sacramento. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they that's said they, not, they, that's across they're the entire the circumstances. Yeah, 
and there I, there was some stat too there saying how many people were searching for him in in uh at whiteface like there was like hundreds of people you know spending hours and hours looking for this guy and uh yeah he was still in all of his gear but he was out in sacramento and he didn't I mean, fly he well because he didn't have any yeah he, didn't have he very a, well could have crashed i mean but yeah, he was skiing with colleagues and um, friends wanted to take a break before the resort closed and he decided to go on one more run by himself. So those get you one more run. Yeah, right. Search began a few hours after he was last seen. Uh, search crews up about 140 people, including state forest rangers, police, resort staff, volunteers scoured the area looking for him. Wow. Well, you know, he could have gotten into an accident and had a little bit of amnesia. Uh, so on that, uh, talking to our buddy from the ski club that got knocked the hell out in uh, Quebec on that trip. So I talked to him while, we're, while on vacation and asked him, you know, the whole story about it. He said he doesn't remember crashing. He doesn't remember anything about getting to the hospital. He woke up in the hospital, still doesn't remember what happened between uh, the lights going out and waking up in the hospital. So what did he hit? Did, did someone see him? Uh, I don't, I, I don't think he was skiing with anybody and he doesn't remember people found him. And, uh, so he doesn't, he said that he doesn't remember anything about a crash. I'm like, that's pretty messed up. So it could be something like that. If he got like, you know, he crashes, he's out of it, doesn't know where he is, and kind of wanders out and starts hitchhiking anywhere, you know? That's so, just so crazy. bizarre, yeah. But, it, yeah. okay, so, so, you know, the guy of which you're speaking, you know, he was taken to a hospital nearby. This guy got from Lake Placid to Sacramento. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he could have I mean, been half somebody, out of it and... And hitchhiked, you know what I mean? But, like, oh, I need to go home. And somebody said, oh, I'll take you wherever you're going. And just kept going. But somehow he had to get all the way down New York State to get out to, like, Route 80 down in, like, Pennsylvania or, or New Jersey to get at least on that journey west. Wow. So he, I don't even – I can't even wrap my head around how this, how he could have pulled this off. You're going to find out somebody – You'll find out like somebody dropped him off at like a hospital. Then he walked from there and started hitchhiking. Like <laughs> it could be some ridiculous stuff, but that is really nuts. Unless it's just some other crazy story, but wow. Yeah. Unless he's just like trolling us. Maybe. Yeah. Could have PTSD. Could have some other condition. I mean, you never know. I mean, it's crazy stuff. Yeah. Being a firefighter, you never know. Yeah. Maybe he did see something and something just snapped in him and uh, yeah. just set him off. Yeah. So the trees, man, I, I, I got out of the trees and that was it. I blacked out, woke up in San Francisco, and, so know, whatever. <laughs> well, hopefully he's doing all right. I mean, that, that must have been just a relief for his family because, you know, he's married with kids and he just, yeah, oh, was, yeah. they probably assumed the worst. Yeah, imagine. that's nuts. I mean, hope he's doing all right and hope everything, you know, that's kind of scary. Yeah. Good to hear that he's alive, though. I want to keep following the story. So, you know, see if we get any more information or some sort of, you know, crazy camera, you know, footage. Yeah. Seeing, you know, maybe picking him up during this journey somewhere. It's kind of like a dash cam. Everybody should have like a, a GoPro on. 
you know what they just glue them into the top of our heads yeah just just in case they gotta make sure you know they know what happened we should all wear like you know what gopro needs like a tiara or like a headband that you can wear you know like there the ladies wear like a tiara and there's a little camera in there and dudes we could wear like you know like headbands that have a camera built in i think we should all do uh just regular like 80s headbands it's a good look yeah you can do like a hulkamania like do-rag thing ah the do-rag that's that's nice bandana that's a nice look you really got to have that confidence to pull that one off though that's crazy all right next off this is from powder magazine meet the skier attempting to be the first to ski all 50 states boom bruce McEwen, 63 hopes to hit number 50 Hawaii later this year. Bruce is a 63-year-old ski bum turned baking powder salesman who had an idea 15 years ago to be the first person to ski natural snow in all 50 states. And upon completing Hawaii later this year, he will have finally completed his mission. That is awesome. So So baking powder salesman, is that like a bad Coke salesman? (laughs) A fake Coke salesman? Like a crack salesman, right? Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, so he uh, he had an idea, and it turned into an epic journey, stretching from awesome. Fargo, North Dakota, to Century, Florida, all with a pair of ski boots along the way. Wow. I guess he had to hit everything when they got, like, the – especially those rare places, like, right when they got the snow on those rare occasions, right? Yeah, he said that, you know, he'd skied about 19 states, you know, when he was – just as like a you know a teenager or you know young adult and then he started i guess this job and was traveling around um and was able to bring his boots with him and decided he was going to try to make this happen so he mentions in north carolina he went to beach mountain near boone that's where i i went i've been there you have that's okay my mountain for a little while <laughs> Yeah, he mentions that in the South, he drove into Louisiana after hitting Texas, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. Um, and they would just find any any place that had snow, you know, like and uh, just try to make it happen. You hike up in Century, Florida and ski down? Is that, that how it worked? I don't know how he did it in there. He said Florida has been the hardest state to get. Um, I mean, up by Jacksonville, they get snow all the time, just north, you know, right on that border. Oh, they do? Yeah, every year that's the area of Florida that really, um, they usually get some snow. This year they got snow, but it's usually, you know, there for like a day or, and then just kind of goes. So you got to really, if if you were going to do it, you got to hit it just right. Yeah, he said that was number 49. Uh, He found a hill next to a church. He got enough turns in to justify skiing natural snow in Florida. Uh, I wonder what the uh, classification is because if he's going for the Guinness World Record, there's got to be like some determination of what classifies as skiing, right? That's a good point. Yeah, I wonder if it means you know a certain distance, perhaps. Yeah, certain distance, certain number of turns, certain you know amount of snow. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He mentions Mauna Kea. Uh, in Hawaii, that's the next one he's doing in December. 
And there was a story about a week ago that that showed that both Mauna Kea and Mauna Loa on the Big Island had a significant amount of snow. So yeah, they got pounded uh, recently, didn't they? Yeah, they actually got a nice little little dumping there. So that's and he mentions too they don't have any lifts, so you got to rent a four wheel drive and go up the road, and then take turns doing shuttle laps. So someone drives, someone skis. Oh, that's funny. But, or you hike up like a man. <laughs> You did that too, if you want to take time. Um, take time. But yeah, it's, so he it's kind of cool that, that uh, that's going to be his last one. And he mentions he didn't want Florida to be the last state. He wanted to finish in Hawaii so that he could, uh, cool. you know, have a place to, to have a real celebration. No that's offense cool. to Florida. <laughs> hey, you're in Hawaii though. Like that's that's perfect. You get a, a ski vacation and a tropical vacation at the same time. I like it. You could do worse. Yeah, that's pretty awesome, though. So he's an inspiration to us. So Bruce, thank you for doing this and being crazy, and and uh, best of luck finishing your your goal this year. Cool stuff. Yeah, good to hear. Congratulations, man. All right, next up we have Fast and Furious crashes of ski racing. So uh, slalom Tokyo Drift displays the best and worst of ski racing and raises money to make ski racing safer. So uh, Ian McComer um, is, uh, I guess he skis in the Austrian Alps a lot. Um, but what he set up, and this is pretty awesome. He set up, uh, what is it? It's on, is it on YouTube? Where is it? It's Instagram. Oh, Instagram. And he posts all these crazy crashes of ski racing. Um, and some of them are pretty cool to look at. So, uh, he posts out there, um, yeah, he said he won't share the clips of badly concussed athletes, career ending trauma or spills that cut season short. Only the funny ones are, uh, are posted. So you can be assured the stuff you see on there might look crazy, but, uh, it's not like a, a horrific thing that somebody doesn't want to you know, see necessarily. It doesn't want to relive. But uh, yeah, some of these are pretty cool. So you get on there and you just start looking through. But um, yeah, they've got like 117,000 followers at this wow. time, including Michaela Schifrin. Oh. And it's funny because like the, a lot of the pictures have kind of like smart ass little comments below. Yeah. Too. He does uh, his guess at the skier's inner thoughts as the tumble unfolds. Yeah, the one it's got this person who's kind of front edges caught, and it says, "I guess it's a, a female skier." When your ex boyfriend changes his Netflix password, so you know it's over, right, bef <laughs> right before you finish Stranger Things season two. It's awesome. Yeah. So. I guess what he's doing is he's doing it as a nonprofit and he's trying to get the paperwork all settled out, but um, all the proceeds are going to go to government sanctioned nonprofits working to make ski racing safer. So um, he has STD hats um, that are being sold for the Kelly brush foundation, uh, which is a Vermont based nonprofit that's giving a hundred thousand dollars to race programs for safety equipment over the last two years. Um, so it's kind of cool. He's using it for not just fun, but he's using it for a, a good cause to give back. So it's kind of, kind of interesting. 
Yeah, it's it's very cool what he's doing. And uh, so far, it seems to be working pretty well. Yeah, so it's Slalom Tokyo Drift. S-L-A-L-O-M-T-O-K-Y-O-D-R-I-F-T. All one word. Yep, we follow them. So yeah. it's good enough for us. We think it's good enough for you. I love the ones where people are like in the middle of a crash. It's like, whoa, what's going to happen next? <laughs> yep. And then, of course, you All get right. smart-ass comments after it. So nice. We are big fans of smart ass comments, that's for sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is a fun little story and has a, a tie into a later story. And this is from Vice. And it, this has been with the Olympics going on now, this has been showing up in a lot of different places. There is now a bunch of robot skiers out there, and there's a robot ski competition going on in Korea. And <laughs> this is a video. Like, I got to say, I watched it like, I don't know, eight times today. I just kept watching yeah. it over and over. Yeah, and you know, it's funny watching it now, but it's you also know that this is just like those Boston Dynamics robots, which were yeah. funny and awkward at first, and now they're jumping over walls and opening doors. Yeah. So, it gets but yeah, quickly. it says uh, <laughs> these dumbass skiing robots prove there's still hope for humanity. <laughs> So when the army of sleek, burnished chrome robots inevitably rises up to smash our puny bones into dust, remember this. You knew it was coming, and you did nothing to stop it. There was a time when you could drive what was right, a time when you could have still managed to put a stop to their advancement, a time when humanity's fate was not yet within the robot's lifeless grasps. But you let them deliver your pizzas, drive your Ubers, and please all of your illicit desires, all while the machine's brilliant microchip minds slowly awaken to the fact that they could destroy our squishy meat bodies and claim the world as their own. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty funny. But so yeah, you I guess they watch. Yeah. So I guess at the Olympic Games they had this this like robot, what is it called? Robot competition, robot ski competition. Yeah. And uh it's interesting. Some of them actually look like people, but without heads. And that's what freaked me out the most about this video. I'm like, it doesn't look like any of them had heads. <laughs> it looks like yeah. people with no heads skiing down the mountain. It's, it's kind of freaky. Yeah, it was an unofficial Olympic challenge called the Robot Ski Challenge. And each team was asked to build a two-legged robot of at least 20 inches tall and with a built-in power source that they could send down a slope to slalom around some flags. I think it would be cool, like during this competition, dress like a person up in like a robot costume to make it look real and have them just like pound down a bunch of moguls or something like that. Just be like, everybody be like, oh <laughs> yeah, my God, is this yeah, really happening? They got it right. They and, got then it so right. Yeah. and then take off your helmet at the end, be like, oh yeah, it's just, just a person. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. But yeah, some of them were actually skiing better than I thought. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then, of course, they show the the ones that are just like flying into the snow netting and the, you know, just all over the place. So it's pretty funny. There's a lot of, of good crashes in there. I'm sure that the uh, Slalom Tokyo Drift will have a few of those on their account in the near future, too. That's right. Yeah, it was pretty cool. All right, uh, next up, and this is uh, near and dear to a heart. I think I had to have this conversation with mine. This is pretty funny. <laughs> so, um, 
TGR did a, uh, a little, um, little article, uh, son comes out to parents as a ski bum. So they're saying they don't know where they went wrong. Parents Tom and Sue Clifford were confused and, and grief-stricken Friday after the 22-year-old son, Gary, came out of the closet as a ski bum. <laughs> so <laughs> choking back the wave sobbing, uh, Sue Clifford told TGR, exclusive interview, that the ordeal had shaken her family to its very foundations. So it's pretty funny that they're, they're talking about, he always told us he moved to Colorado for a tech gig in Denver um, while intermittently breaking into desperate whales for it to be a joke, but we had no clue as he was living a waiter, dog walker, occasional drug dealer life in Breckenridge. So <laughs> I think it's pretty funny. They're very well written articles. Very, uh, it's pretty funny. Um, so it's like we just thought he was doing tech gigs. Just, you know, we didn't know he was a dog walker. <laughs> pretty funny. Yeah, we but do yeah, appreciate like, it. And we're sympathetic to the parents, but we're also proud of the, of the kids. To uh, who decide to embark on this life? I love how they they say like you know now we see all the warning signs uh, you know um, <laughs> tried giving my parents little hints like fixing things with duct tape all the time but they always assumed it was just a phase you know <laughs> yeah I love the uh, the son talks about he's like I'm done hiding the first time I realized I was different I was on a seventh grade ski trip. I saw a group of mangy snowboarders shotgunning beers and I wanted to be just like them. <laughs> Who wouldn't? It's life, uh, man. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then our last story in ski news comes actually from our friend Matt at the Boston Globe. Um, so Matt was the one who submitted our podcast as uh, a a uh, one to listen to during your Thanksgiving road trip. So we got to, you know, we thank big thanks to Matt for, for getting us some more, you know, publicity and some love. He's in South Korea right now uh, reporting for the globe. So if you, I love it. he's, he's got some really cool stories and information that he's been posting. So check him out. Um, let me just make sure I don't mess up his Twitter handle. It is, um, Matt Pep 15, M A T T P E P 1 5 on Twitter. Um, and he's posting all day long. He's at, you know, a lot of these different uh, ski events and posting really cool information. So he put an article out talking about what it's like to go skiing in South Korea because, you know, it's not something that a lot of people have done. You know, you always hear about people going to Japan or going to South America. Rarely do you hear about people going to, to South Korea skiing. So it looks pretty cool out there on the Olympics, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it, the slope. You can tell the, I mean, it's not a big resort. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty tight. The, the, the runs that the resort has, it's almost like a diamond shaped and there's maybe, you know, two or three or four different trails coming down. And we yeah. talked about that when we did our little Olympic preview a few weeks ago. But uh, it's cool. He he, what he, the way he talks about it. You know, he's he's a New England guy, so you know a lot of things he talks about. The resorts he talks about, we're really familiar with. But um, the biggest things he said is just how friendly the attendants and workers there are. You know, like people bow at you. Um, so you know, you kind of bow back as a as a way of saying hello and thank you. Um, the craziest thing is too, he says like at the lift stations, 
The attendants are unbelievably friendly and will help you in almost any way. That includes going outside the line corral to pull a struggling skier up into the loading zone, lowering the safety bar for you, pushing you into the right spot to load you on the chairlift. So oh, it's like having nice. like a lifty, a lifty valet in a way. That's awesome. Yeah. I saw the biathlon. Did you, you did you watch any of that? So after the guys shoot, they had like attendants run up there and like sweep the little carpets that they were shooting on. I was like, it's really kind of, you know, unnecessary. But I was like, that's pretty cool that they did that, you know? Well, I love too those guys like how their guns have like the backpack straps. Yeah. And like how fast they just like whip that thing around, like around onto their back and just keep keep skiing. Dude, those people are 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 inhuman. It's crazy, man. Yeah. It's amazing to watch. So yeah, so Matt kind of goes on to say that um, you know, it was it's a the snow felt good over there. Um he said it, it, a lot like skiing in New England. Um the resort's name is uh Yong Pyong. Um and it's small, it's not huge. And he said if he had to compare it to a New England mountain, he'd say it's like Ragged Mountain or Berkshire East or Gunstock. Um mm-hmm. And he mentioned Killington, Loon, and Sugarloaf are much larger. So, small resort. And one of the things, too, he said there's a lot of advertising there. Like, a lot of big signs. All over Um, everything? Like, there's logos on everything just about? Yeah, on the billboards, on the safety netting, the back of chairs. um, A lot of hotels and condos, you know, in the area. Um, So, it doesn't really... So it's got a very interesting, more of like a city town feel than like rustic charm. Hmm, very cool. Well, I guess the shape yeah. of the mountain is it looks like narrow, but it looks like it has a nice drop from top to bottom. I guess that's what they're using it for, like all these big events, right? Yeah, it's pretty steep. So it's uh, like it's, it's, like it's long and legit. steep but narrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. So yeah, so follow Matt, um, M-A-T-T-P-E-P-15 on Twitter. He's got tons of great information. And um, his name is Matt Pepin, right? Yep. The EPIN. So, yeah. So, if you ever see his articles yeah. or anything, you know who the guy is. That's, uh, he's, uh, yeah, he's a really cool guy. Thanks he's for, a, he's a friend of the podcast. And, uh, and yeah, definitely follow him and, and check out his articles from the Olympics because he's posting a lot of really, really cool insight from, uh, from South Korea. So, Matt, great job. And, uh, Thanks for posting all this stuff. And thanks again for, for mentioning us in your, your article back in November. So that kind of leads us into our main topic. And, you know, we did an so Olympic what are you talking preview. About today, Brian? You know, we did our Olympic preview a few weeks ago. We're getting excited for the games. And now they're here. And uh, I know I've been having a, an awesome time watching them. And Mario, I can't speak for you, but I think, you know, you've been enjoying it as well i have been watching it every night um trying to watch like every bit that i can you know coming home from work and stuff like that but i wish i was like home from work i could watch it during the day they have more coverage but yeah we just kind of go over a couple of the the cool interesting things that we've you know seen so far during the games and um you know i guess now that the skiing is finally going on, because there was a bunch of, of weather delays the first couple of days, um, yesterday, since again, we're recording this on Thursday, the 15th, 
And I guess in Korean time, it would have been the 15th as well, but it was the 14th, the night of for us. They had the men's downhill. And, you know, you watch those guys ski and you just feel like you have no idea what you're doing. Like you're, you're on a bunny slope. You are slow. I mean, you, you, just, you just see horrible. Right. Yeah. Oh, I mean, those guys, I mean, so Axel Svindal from Norway, part one of the uh, attacking Vikings, he won the gold medal and I was watching his run and they were showing, he was hitting almost 80 miles an hour at one yeah, point on the slope. Down. Yeah. And then they were showing the one jump. They were getting like almost 150 feet of air, like lengthwise, <laughs> distance wise on those jumps. And did you see the one guy that hit the, uh, the drill? I don't the one guy so. that hit a drill on, uh, I Ooh. think it was that day and he hit it. He was one of the, the favorite guys. And he's like, what the fuck is a drill doing on the, on the course? Like a regular handheld drill was just. Yeah, I guess, around. you know how they put the, they drilled to put like the poles in and stuff. And I guess somebody right. left it on the course and he hit it. I was like, what? Oof. Yes. Yeah. That's uh, that's not good. That guy should be fired. But those guys oh, were, uh, Oh, it was the women's. Yeah, Lara, Lara got crashed out of the women's giant slalom event at the Winter Olympics. Um, oh yeah, you know I remember I wa- I remember watching her run and I'm like, because she's one of I mean, you know, she took a year off because she was injured, but she's one of the best. And it was uh, weird seeing her get knocked out that run, quickly. Uh, her first run landed lasted 17 seconds and ended up with a terrifying collision. She crashed into a uh, photographer. Um, Lost her balance yeah, she and like slide tackled like a, there was a bunch. Of, she like slide tackled a bunch of photographers there. Yeah, oh, it's crazy. I mean, from the American point of view, you know, Michaela Schifrin, she won her giant slalom event yesterday, yeah. which which was big. Was she nice. came, from, came from behind to win, and she just, I mean, she tore that second run up. I mean, she was, she was, she was, every turn was perfect. Um, oh, awesome. That was great seeing her win, and then in snowboarding, you know the U.S. has been doing really well. You know, um, with slopeside, you know Jamie Anderson winning, seventeen-year-old Red Gerard. Did you hear like his whole thing, like his whole morning that he had? No, I he saw him on like, um, Good Morning America or something like that. And I guess he's one of seven kids, so his whole family was there, like adults and stuff. And he said on Good Morning America, he's like. Yeah, they were partying pretty late last night. <laughs> He's like, there's only like my parents were up. Everybody else was kind of drunk. <laughs> so well, he was saying like, he, like the morning he went out there, it was like a like a disaster morning that he had. Oh, really? Um, yeah, what was the... Uh, he was like running around the house in the morning. His jacket was missing, so he had to borrow a jacket. Uh, uh-huh. It was too small. Um, and there was something else that happened too. Jeez. I think he was late. I think he missed his alarm, or he was late. But <laughs> imagine know, sleeping, sleeping through there. the Olympic event. Yeah, somehow oh. got there on time. Like that one Seinfeld episode. Yes. Who was it? The runner, yeah, John Paul. John Paul. Oh. John Paul. <laughs> he overslept. <laughs> he missed the marathon. It was the AMPM button. That's what did it. 
Yeah. Um, no, he was, they were interviewing him in the morning. He was like, um, you know, this is after he got the medal and everything like that. And he was like, you know, he's like, he's only 17. He's like, you know, I really thought like the X Games was the big thing. He's like, I didn't realize till I was getting, you know, till I got the medal and they started, you know, the national anthem, how big of a deal the Olympics really are. I'm like, you just realizing it now? <laughs> it's like, what? So it was pretty oh, funny. Really? Yeah, he, he just realized it then. He's like, I guess he just was kind of like, oh, this is a big, you know, it's a big event, but not that, that big of a deal to win. Like he didn't realize it. And then I guess it happens to everybody. It sets in and it's like, whoa, this is a huge thing. This is worldwide kind of, you know. Ignorance was, is bliss, right? I guess you don't yeah. feel that pressure either then. Yeah, I think he was just kind of chilling out like, all right, this is an event. It's not the X Games, you know, and then uh, he wins and it's like, <laughs> wow, he realizes like, this is a big, pretty big deal that I, that I just won, you know. That's so funny. <laughs> well, because oh, I, I guess it. you realize too, you're not winning it for yourself, just yourself. You won it for your entire country, so it's kind of like, whoa, it's, it's a bigger deal than just winning, you know. So I thought it was pretty, yeah, pretty like, neat to hear that from him. Yeah. Yeah. He won the slope side, and then another seventeen-year-old, Chloe Kim. I mean, she was she, she was, was unbelievable too in the half pipe. Yeah. She had like so much, like she was, the expectations were so high for her and she just completely delivered. You know, I don't know if, did you watch her run? I watched, uh, yeah, I watched her, her runs. That was pretty good. Yeah, it was cool because she knew she had the gold medal before her, her third run, but they're like, give the fans what they want. And she just went at it and was like a 98.2 or 98.5 she threw down. Why not? You got nothing, you know, it's a, it's a victory lap almost at that point for her. Like icing on the cake victory. And like people were all worried because she was like tweeting about like wanting churros and ice cream that morning or eating <laughs> churros. And and then like she was tweeting like bef- between her runs and they asked her later, like, 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 why were you tweeting between your runs? She's like, well, what else am I going to do? <laughs> oh, she also came out and, and said that she didn't cry during the anthem because she didn't want to ruin her makeup. <laughs> like i was like you know awesome, all the cameras man. are on you you know <laughs> it's awesome being that young and just not not knowing how big everything is you know not feeling that pressure that impact yeah because um, which you know leads to sean white because you know he uh there's a video of him i don't know if you ever saw it he was being interviewed by what's that like ridiculous like uh, what the hell is her name that that one lady um the news reporter oh god i'm i'm drawing a complete blank so that that conservative lady always talks about the babies like like she, no idea. Still, she still was like a lawyer i think she was like a lawyer and uh she's interviewing sean white this is when he won his first gold i guess he was like 19 or so and uh it's like oh yeah it was really cool we were hanging out we were partying you know we were drinking and she's like, um, Sean, you're only 19. He's like, oh, I'm drinking Mountain Dews, baby. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And he has like the long, like red, like scraggly hair, like, you know, like the flying yeah. tomato era of tomato. Sean White. And um, so that was him then. And then to see him, you know, now, was it 14 or 16 years later? I guess 16 years later. Yeah. Have him come back. And there's a lot of pressure that, on him because he, yeah. Yeah, he, you know, he, uh, he, he struck out at the last Olympics. So people were assuming he was done and then to have him come back. And he had that nasty crash in New Zealand 
a few months ago mm. where he just like landed on his face on the lip of the half pipe. But oh. you know, he persevered, he he you know pushed through and and now he came back with that epic third run and you know another gold medal. And you can see just you know, but from that clip of him when he was 19 versus the clip of him now, you know, crying, getting emotional, you can just see like a, like a maturation, like a coming full circle, which is, which is kind of cool to see, you know, I guess you really appreciate it more as you, you understand the, the gravity and the, how big it really is. Yeah. I saw, um, you know, when he won, but I, I also saw the qualifying and if you saw his qualifying, it was just like, all right, he is on fire. He's ready for this shit. He was like really up for it. Um, and then I guess his second run, he didn't have a good run. He Something happened. He didn't do that well. And so he really needed that third run. So it was kind of cool to see him uh, kind of kill it on that third run too. Um, yeah, that's uh yeah, that because I guess he needed that for qualifying. He needed that run to make the team, and then yeah, he came through and and you know hit it when it mattered. Yeah, that's cool. And then Jamie oh, Anderson. I can't it doesn't mention here who the uh, interviewer is, but yeah, this whole thing's gone. It says it's going viral again. This uh, oh, right. interview. What the hell is her Nancy Grace? That's who it is. Nancy Grace. Nancy Grace. Why the hell yeah. is she at the Olympics? She's <laughs> not like a sports interviewer person, usually. What's that? I don't think she ever does any sports interviewing, does she? Well, like, this was like you they... know, like 16, sixteen years ago or so. So yeah, yeah, different time. Yeah, that that freaking that interview is is glorious. It's definitely worth checking out because it's uh, it's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. And then Jamie Anderson won for snowboarding too, right? Yeah, snowboard cross. Snowboard cross. I always think everybody's just going to crash into each other on that. <laughs> yeah, there was one gnarly uh, crash in the... Um, uh, is it Slopeside? I'm getting confused. Oh, Slopeside's with the big jumps. I love that. That's Slopeside, like that's, that's the one... That they won already, right? Jamie Anderson and Red Gerard won the slope side. Yeah, that was yeah. Oh, the snow cross. A snow the one cross. It's like yeah, crash ice. Yes, everybody's elbowing each other and shit. It's horrible. Yeah, they were showing one guy who like broke his neck. This Damn. this past uh, this Olympics, he just completely lost control on one of those jumps and landed on his neck. Oh. It is. Oh, it's brutal to watch. Um, it is Marcus Shirer um, from. Is he from Austria? Hmm. Yeah, from Austria. Oh, you just see him like it's weird. You watch the video, and it's you know it's a little bit. I guess it's foggy or cloudy or something, and uh, it's a little grainy too. But you see him coming in from the side, just completely out of control. Like you, you see him, then you lose him, then you come back and you're like, "Oh shit, he's coming down like on his back or his neck," and then uh, just slams to the ground. It's uh, it's pretty rough to watch. It says he actually broke his neck, but he is alive and he seems to be in in pretty good spirits. 
but uh oof it looks bad right. yeah all right cool so what else we got yeah you want to get the next one yeah so i you know i was up in vermont watching some of this with my uh my wife and my mother-in-law and she was asking she's like what's like what are those half pipes made of you know like how do they like what's underneath there and we're just like well it's just snow and you know i i was trying to trying to actually figure out you know like how is it done you know because you know you you rarely ever see the they always have like those cool like time-lapsed videos where you see a snowcat kind of pushing stuff around and then it's all perfect and pristine yeah, they so have like a special like, like snowcat arm thing that goes and does the, the the half pipe part too, which is pretty neat. Yeah, it looks almost like a cobra or something. And it's yeah, yeah, or some sort of farm, you know, farm equipment. But yeah, it has that curvature in there. It looks almost like a would it be like a, a para like a parabola? Or in, in like if you're looking at a, a graph in math right. or algebra. And uh, like a hockey stick curve and that's what you know kind of they use that to to create the pipe to create the uh the wall there and then they you know they fill it in um with the cats so, yeah it's uh it's a lot of a work lot of snow and, and it's a lot of work yeah yeah we have there's a i found a cool video actually a cool page on a core 77 which is kind of like like an art it's like a, i think it's like an art um website design mm. and they had an, a great article about how snowboard half pipes are made and they had a video showing uh from from gopro going over the whole construction process and it's really it's really neat to watch and it's cool seeing That's the equipment that they use. Yeah. yeah it's really neat so we'll have a link in the show notes so you can check it out too because it's, it's pretty fascinating to watch very cool yeah yeah, it does take a talent to do that, you know. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> nope. Um, all right, next up, I know. So if anybody watched the Olympic opening ceremony, there was, you know, there's always the, you know, the question of, you know, what's the team going to wear? Because there's always like a team kind of uniform, right, where they come out with, you know, just it's kind of casual wear, but it's still kind of a uniform. And it's, uh, I think Ralph Lauren had it last year in, uh, I think he's had it for a few years. I don't know if they, they, I think they switch them every once in a while, but they give them to like, you know, one designer for a few years. They've done um, them for a while though, Ralph Lauren, yeah. Yeah, so he's had it for at, at least a, like the last Olympics, last few Olympics. But um, the one thing which I know a lot of people noticed, I noticed that first thing when I, I was watching is they had the Dumb and Dumber gloves. The, uh, you know, the, the Lloyd Christmas like fringed cowboy uh rawhide or whatever suede gloves and uh it's funny they they said now it's become a huge uh meme out on on the internet uh that everybody's making memes of it so it's pretty funny um but they're saying that the uh everybody thought the same thing it's like so they came out with the dumb and dumber you know gloves on um so it's pretty funny but part that's not funny is when you start looking at how much these things are selling for they're selling for about a thousand bucks a pair i'm like that is that absolutely the, nuts that was the craziest thing to me because i was you know we were looking at all this stuff and 
you know, it's kind of cool. The opening ceremonies where they talked about, oh, well, this designer is from, you know, they showed Italy and they're like, oh, this is, you know, I guess Armani. Was it Armani, I think, that did all their uniforms? And like, oh, they're the, always one of the best dressed, the Italians. And then they mentioned, you know, the Americans when they came out. Ralph Fucking Lloyd Christmas. And I was curious. And I, I was, I, I was, you know, trolling, strolling through Twitter and I found a, um, a post from Darren Ravel from ESPN. And he had the, the cost breakdown of all the stuff that all the athletes were wearing. And I was, cause me and Andrea were kind of wondering and guessing what everything cost. Cause you know, it's a Ralph Lauren sweater. It's suede gloves, suede boots, that crazy, like heated parka that they had. And, um, I found out the breakdown. So for the entire outfit for each athlete, five thousand eight hundred and fifty-five dollars. Oh, that's the wild. jacket twenty-five hundred. The suede gloves a thousand. The suede boots a thousand. Sweater six hundred. Jeans three hundred. Belt two hundred. Hat one hundred and sixty-five. And bandana one twenty-five. I mean, I gotta say that is Ralph Lauren original. It's not the Ralph Lauren copy that's in, you know, another store. You know what I mean? But uh it's not the uh yeah. the US US Polo Association or whatever the uh the like ripoff brand is. Yeah. yeah. Or even the you know, the one made for like sale in stores. This is like uh, uh you know, so I'm sure it's a little bit, you know, the crazy it's not the outlet crazy. Yeah, not the outlet, but not the Walmart version. They were saying the parka, the gloves, the boots, and the jeans were all already sold out. Wow. So people Dude, I love are, are gloves. They are, you know, I hadn't seen the memes till you you posted this, and <laughs> you know, in our, our show notes here. Oh my god, the memes are fantastic. They're so <laughs> oh, <that's> good. Right. <laughs> you know, we are huge Dumb and Dumber fans because it is probably the greatest American film ever made. And it's funny though because it the- wasn't like subtle. Like they walked out, and you're like, "What the hell do they have on their hands?" <laughs> You're like, those are the fucking Dumb and Dumber gloves. Like, that's what you They're see. Identical. That's all you- <laughs> They're identical, <laughs> except for like the like American flag and like Ralph Lauren logo. <laughs> but that's all you see of the outfit because everybody's waving, you know? So yeah. first thing they come out, you're like, oh shit, you can't even hide those things. You see like fringe awesome. flying around. <laughs> They're awesome. I love that. It's glorious. <laughs> See, we're gonna have to get some of those and, and go out drinking. That's where you go out to the bar, just like he's sitting there when uh, he gets stood up. <laughs> when he finds out that we, when he finds out that we went to the moon. Do you know a Mary Swanson? <laughs> yeah. What's that supposed to mean? She has dinner. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's awesome. So good. And now this last story is your favorite, I think. Oh my god! Olympics. I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. I had to really do some fact checking to make sure it's real, and it's real. So, you want me to take this one? Please do. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, they titled this uh, article that we found. It's really hard not to notice all the penises at the Olympic ski jump seven. So I'm like, <laughs> what the hell is that about? So I go in. And basically they have photos of this and, and there's memes on this too all over. There's a ton of memes, which some of them are really funny. Um, so at the Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang, they have the Alpensia Ski Jump Center where they do the ski jumping. And outside of that, they have 
you know, some nice statues that were made and, you know, a whole setup of like, you know, when people come in to visit and they, they have these statues, these three statues together called the bullet men. And they have phallic heads with actual phalluses on the statues. Like pretty, you know, it's not like, you know, a little hint of one there or something. Let's no, it's a, it's a, it's a penis just sticking right out. And uh, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. It's like, so they say people walk by the, by these statues and they're just like, what the hell did I just see? Like, what, it, what am I looking at? You know, it's, it's kind of, everybody like stops and they say it started a whole trend of like memes for, for all, of, you know, on this thing. So you definitely have to see the pictures. It's kind of like, it's not necessarily creepy looking. It's just weird and strange and a little uncomfortable looking. It's just like, it's like a, a naked guy with his hands right at his side his penis is sticking out and he's got this like almost penis like looking condom hat on that goes all the way down to like his chest and to his back it's like somebody dripped like hot molten whatever to make this penis formation on his head so you can't see his head it's just it's weird just very weird so i would suggest taking a look first thing i thought of when i saw them was i thought about the um the emperor's royal guard from star wars oh yeah because they kind of have that that helmet that looks like that you know it looks kind of like a very similar it's like one piece that goes from like down to their chest that or uh the way it's stylized you think of rocket man you know like the but or i think of buckethead the guitarist Buckethead, space balls. Buckethead. <laughs> uh, yeah, some of the memes are pretty funny though. They get that weird, creepy one with the people dancing. Like it's with them dancing, it's weird. Yeah, it's like a weird computer animated people, like these like bullet men dancing. It's very, it's very unsettling. Yeah, and it's just like if you look at it and you think about what it represents, it's just weird and uncomfortable. Like I, I don't know what it what they were going for. It's just very strange. But they call them bullet men. So I guess Well, you know what? Thank God we had this come up because now I found out that Buckethead is playing at the Stone Pony in Asbury <laughs> Park in April. Look at, look at that. that. You're booking Maybe your buckethead ticket. Destiny. <laughs> destiny to go see Buckethead now. I think that's the universe saying you need to go see Buckethead. So you're saying there's a chance. (laughs) You're saying there's a chance. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so definitely look up the penis rocket bullet men. Yeah. So the Olympics have been pretty awesome so far. Uh, You know, I've enjoyed it. I kind of wish... Now I don't know. I, I don't know if anyone's been watching the figure skating at all. I uh, it's not my favorite thing, no, but you know I'll I'll leave it on. One thing I do know is that I really wish you know how TVs have like the SAP for Spanish. Yeah. I wish there was another like uh, another sound or voiceover or whatever you want to call it commentary of Johnny Weir and Tara Lipinski for every single sport. <laughs> I think that would be the most entertaining and most hysterical thing. Have them doing like UFC, have them doing uh, like football, have them do hockey. I think they would be so hysterical. 
those two together are just they're just funny like they're just really they don't care yeah. like they care but they're just they don't they don't worry about you know what they say and they're they're really honest which i think is pretty pretty uh yeah. nice to see nowadays they don't have to apologize for everything they say yeah. which everybody's apologizing been right already been like multiple apologies like bodie miller had to apologize because he made a smart ass like kind of funny comment about why one woman wasn't skiing that well because she got married it's just a comment it's like, oh well everybody jumps on it right away like well, what, how can you say that like whatever i don't know and, and you know who didn't get upset about it? The person he was making the comment about. Yeah, he, he probably knew her, right? Did he know What's her? That? I think he did. Did he know her? Because a lot of them, you know, a lot of those people, they're just around each other, so they they know each other and they make comments. You know, it's like a joke between them. Yeah. Somebody yeah, that doesn't did. know the context is is chiming in, saying, "Oh, that's an inappropriate comment." One person who's watched skiing once in their entire life is getting offended and. Right they're waiting blog for post. The to come on and they're like <laughs> and they're like i don't know i'm watching this stupid thing and you know i don't know and like I, I, katie couric had to apologize because she made a comment about the dutch wow and it wasn't even bad she, insulted like she said the that dutch. they skate the canals when they freeze over this is where they gotta have john McEnroe comment on stuff just like you could give the color comment on everything <laughs> and give it crap <laughs> you cannot be serious about those those jackets they're wearing. That's right. They look horrible. They you just go off. You gotta get somebody that just doesn't care. Yeah. So yeah, I, I love the Winter Olympics. They they're they've been fantastic. Uh, been a lot of great stories, a lot of great events. We got a luge medalist. Another... Our first luge medal ever. You saw that? Yeah. That was pretty awesome to watch. Silver medal. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been fun. We still have another week and a half left, so trying to watch I, as much as I possibly can. And I actually you know, saw I a say story the that there's two guys, one from Ghana and one from, um, uh, uh what do we call it? Jamaica, that are doing. I think it's the skeleton this year. And apparently, like the one guy was, I guess raised uh i think part partly in ghana or something like that and then the other guy through his family i guess is able to to race for jamaica but they both i guess have done the sport before it's not like they're just totally just threw them out there um but it's funny they want to they want to prove a point that they uh you know warm weather um countries can compete in these these events too so i thought it was pretty neat well you had the uh like we talked about it when rich was on a couple weeks ago from all that apray, the uh, the Tonga, the shirtless Tonga guy, you know, yeah. he, he was a um, was he is a Taekwondo, I think he competed in in the Summer Olympics, and then he came back this Olympics to compete as a cross country skier, and he said he dropped like thirty pounds from the Summer Olympics, you know, getting in shape for this. So again, oh, wow. I don't know how one practices cross country skiing. When you're in Tonga, I'm sure he just went somewhere else to to practice. But uh, well, a lot of them, I saw they they were talking about the women's team. I guess there's four women that are really close. I forgot their names, but they were doing a whole story, and they were showing them training in the summer. And they had the like the the ones on wheels, and they were basically going uphill. Cool runnings like with, too. With, 
Yeah, exactly. They're going uphill with the uh, with like the big skis with wheels on it. It was pretty cool. Well, I guess too, even with the with the bobsled, the four person bobsled, I guess you only really need one the driver to have real experience with a bobsled, and the other three really are just the pushers. So if you have people who can just you know you're from a warm weather country, maybe you're just you know you're Pressure built walker. for for speed, for sprinting. You know, you just push that sled. Yeah. You push that sled and jump in. Yeah. Yeah. You're just leaning. That's all you do. You lean the rest of the time. Yeah. So, I mean, I can see where that, you know, you don't necessarily have to be in a cold weather climate to do that. But the driver, that person needs the experience of using the the controls, the handles, the steering to uh, control the sled. Yeah. That's pretty wild. The one thing that I've been disappointed with. Is, so Jamaica is the and Ghana, they're going to be in the skeleton. Oh, yeah. So what's going on with the hockey? You know, we've gotten accustomed to having the NHL players in there since 98. That was the first year they had it. Say. And uh, it's, <laughs> been, it's been great. I mean, I've, I've, it's, the Olympic hockey has been awesome with the NHL players. And, but good old Gary Bettman, the man who gives nobody what they want, managed to, uh, to, to disallow the NHL players to play this year. So they've kind of just thrown together these guys. I mean, there's some players like the captain of the U.S. team is Brian Gianta, who I think he retired last year or the year before. Yeah. A bunch of college players. You can't have a professional contract is the way it's, it's kind of breaking down now. So, you know, you have guys playing in Europe. You have guys who are in college. You have some retired guys. Like it's it's a weird like ragtag bunch of players, and I mean they lost to Slovenia yesterday. Yeah. So even if you have, Slovenia, I guess I don't. They know have the rule, one like, NHL player ever. Oh really? Oh. Yeah. Anze Kopitar, but he moved to Sweden when he was like nine because he's like needed real training and competition. Oh wow. Yeah. I guess the women lost to Korea or something like that, right? They lost to the Korean team. No, Korea's been losing like eight nothing in every game. I thought they, they lost just to won. Canada. I think. I thought. Well, they got like eight nothing was their first game, but Korea. Yeah, they lost. They lost to, I think Sweden and then someone else. Yeah, the U.S. women lost to Canada. Yeah. Women got blown out, but like I think they drew Sweden or something like that. I was like, oh, good luck with that. The Korean? Yeah, the first game for them was. Yeah, that was against either Finland or Sweden. But they, they lost said two games. They... Oh, okay. They said the, the girls had never, they joined North and South and they had never played together. It's just kind of like they just met like a week or two before the Olympics. So it's kind of, that's all thrown together too. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough getting, you know, the timing and, you know, you really do need uh, some time to work with players to understand how they play and, and, you know, maximize your, your game together. But it's cool seeing the North and South, you know, it's more of a, a gesture, you know, the two coming together to form this team. And, you know, they said to, you know, hockey isn't really a big sport in Korea, especially women's. So, yeah. Like speed skating or something real big there? Speed skating, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, right? There, there's a lot of like Korean speed skaters that are pretty pretty good. 
and they have the one dude on skeleton who's like really awesome too. He wears like the Iron Man mask. Oh, cool. I was watching him before. Yeah, he was in first place for a little while. Um, I think party yeah, limit like, should be the flair. Like you should get flair points. Like you gotta come out with like a theme, some come out music or something like that. <laughs> you gotta have a persona. I think it's more the X teams when they do it. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have like, you know, ripping off the shirt at the beginning, like calling people out, like like stuff like that. Little UFC kind of thing. <laughs> That's what UFC WWE. has to get into the Olympics. That's going to be the ex-Olympics when Vince McMahon gets to take on his uh, his version of it. Oh, they're doing the XFL again, right? They're really doing it again? Oh, they sure are. I saw something about I it. I hope as a previous season ticket holder, I have dibs on some oh, sort of first, uh, first round of ticket availability. So, you, so you'll buy season tickets for the 12 games and the season will get shut down after three? Yeah, right. No. Yeah, they said they're going to do it again, so why not? Pretty funny. So, yeah, so keep uh, enjoying the Olympics. You know, we've got a lot of skiing still left because a lot of it was delayed. Um, I know we talked about one of our uh, our hometown, one of the uh, the guys who was in the uh, snowboarding slalom, who was originally from the same town I currently live in. He was supposed to compete on the 10th, uh, AJ Muss but they pushed out their event till the 22nd. So he's got another week to go. So it'll be a uh, cool to wow. see him compete and uh, yeah, see Michaela and Lindsay and, and see what they're capable of the next few days. So Michaela's racing now. So check it out and, you know, we'll, we'll keep posting stuff and, you know, looking forward to, to more events. So, you know, you know where to find us, debumpodcast.com. Under the ropes. disturbing video mario and i just discussed it before and uh we're not we're not we really we don't endorse this one bit yeah now we Some were talking about, about me out. everything about it creeps me out we talked about the wacky skiing robots before and oh haha look how you know silly and uncoordinated they are crashing into the flags crashing into the safety barrier well those goddamn freaking skynet assholes over at Boston Dynamics just showed a new video of these robot dogs who can now open doors. They made the jumping yeah. robot too, right? That we've seen. Same people. Same creepy Same ass Skynet ass dickhead people. Yeah, they so they show this this creepy looking yellow like dog looking robot walk over to a door and then it has like a neck which is another robot which is able to grab onto a, a door handle and open it and let itself out so so yeah, yeah so now we know that exists there's that um creepy video game that i played i forgot the name of it um but it's kind of like the uh oh what's it what's that one with the like end of the earth and there's like zombie like dogs and crap like that coming after people um like it looks Doom? like one of those things no, not like oh. Doom. Um, what the hell is the one with Mila Jovovich? Oh, uh, Resident Evil. Resident Evil, like a Resident Evil kind of like dog oh. running after you. It's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Man, it's crazy. You know what creeps me out the most is 
Okay, so they have, are you going to describe the video? Because there's one part of it that I got to describe that just freaks me out. Um, yeah, I mean, you watch it, you watch it walk over and then, you know, it has this like dog looking body and then it has this, this neck, which is just, you know, it's a long, you know, hinged neck with a, a clamp at the end. It looks like almost like a, like a snake head or something. And it mm. goes and it, it goes over the door handle, clamps onto it, pushes it down, opens the door, and then creepily walks out. No, the part that freaks me out now is it opens the door and then another dog behind it goes in and runs in at the last minute and then it follows behind. I'm like, that is like, that's like the kill formation. That's freaking me out right there. It's a little bit like the raptors in the first Jurassic Park. Yes, just like they it. work together and hold doors for each other. Yeah. It was very animalistic the way they walked into the room. And I was like, okay, that's that's really freaking me out now. Because at first I was like, man, eh, it's a stupid robot opening the door. I'm like, all right, let it struggle. And then when they go in the room, they're doing it as a team and they're not struggling. They're going in. I'm like, that's that's that creeped me out right there. How are you they on, together? Exactly. I'm on the Boston Dynamics site and they just have on their homepage just all these videos of these different robots and that it's creeping me out there too. Yeah. Damn. I hate everything about that company. <laughs> I really do. We got one walking through the snow. I'm like, that would freak me out. Then again, that would be kind of nice to rescue people. <laughs> I'm sure yeah, there's a lot of great applications. For that. For. Yeah. To take over the world just, via the snow. Well, think about it. What what sort of positive thing like would they spend this much money on developing this for? It's you only them, to be used in like battle. You get them do avalanche control. They're probably they're probably they, they fitted out for explosives. Hundreds, are they gonna spend hundreds of millions of dollars to save four people? No, probably not. But it depends what Never. people <laughs> it depends what people Dick Gene, perhaps they would save. Maybe Jeff Sessions. Maybe uh, who else would they save? Pat Sajak. They'd save Pat, I think. Well, that would justify it. Pat, he's a national treasure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's so much about this that I hate. It makes me comfortable. You know what? Like our tax, like our tax dollars going towards this. Like who's paying for this? The military. Our tax dollars. It's military. We can get robots to go sweep houses in in iraq rather than send people in what's gonna end up being i'm very concerned about this the robot wars are real they're coming yeah might be a few centuries but they're coming yeah uh, oh. all right next up right. so graffiti artists uh were awarded 6.7 million dollars for destroyed five points murals so if anybody doesn't know Five Points, um, they've done a bunch of um, uh, movies on Netflix, documentaries about it, and just other stuff. So if you're into graffiti art um, and just like, you know, urban, urban things, you know, in the urban environment that are just like, you know, there and art pops up and um, fights and stuff. So Five Points was kind of like a, an abandoned, uh, I don't know if it was an industrial or apartment, I think it was an industrial um set of buildings uh that just remained abandoned 
and the owners there didn't really care if people came and and put graffiti they were just like whatever and i think at one point they were they actually told people yeah you know as long as it's good graffiti you could put it up so people would go out there they put this graffiti art out there so it was really great so i guess the owners finally decided they were going to do something with the building so they whitewashed the whole building and uh, painted over a lot of graffiti art so a bunch of the artists got together they took uh they went to court and they said under there's an act which i didn't realize this it's uh vara which is the visual arts rights act um which basically protects uh public art of recognized stature created on someone else's property which i i thought i was like that's kind of bullshit but i could I can understand both sides, but <clears throat> so basically, let's say you're sitting in your house. Somebody comes, does a great, beautiful piece of graffiti art on your house. Are they saying you can't erase it? I don't know. A little weird. That's a little ridiculous. Yeah. Now that's a crazy use case, but so anyway, it took them to court. It's so funny because because didn't that area used to be like really shitty in New York? Oh, you're horrible. That's why they sat on it for so many years. Yeah, and it's why they didn't develop it. <clears throat> they um, they just left it because they were like, we're not going to do anything with it for a while. It's water. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. If you go into Google Maps, it's weird. You So you go into Google Maps, and if you go into Street View, you see the construction, but if you zoom out to the regular overhead view, but you get close enough, you can still see the old graffiti up on those buildings. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, so, there's yeah. some really nice stuff on there. But, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I think, I think something happened with it. Like the original owner, uh, he got older and older and he either passed or put like, somebody else in charge and they were like well we're going to develop it now because time's changed and it's it's worth a lot more money it's a super hot area right now in the city yeah. right so they want to develop so the judge actually awarded 6.7 million dollars to the artists 21 graffiti artists whose works were destroyed so i'm like wow that's a lot oh. you need some more paint cans being purchased on uh on that guy's dime <laughs> yeah right yeah it's cool it's it's weird so like i said you go to google maps you type in five points long island city and if you if you're in the regular map or the regular uh the regular like satellite view and you zoom into it you can see the buildings but if you go to street view it's knocked down already it's uh it's kind of funky but if you do if you just you know search for it on google image search you can find a lot of pictures of it there's tons of them so. yeah i think uh on netflix if you look up there was uh i forgot the name of the the documentary but it was it was about five points yeah it's fascinating yeah. seeing how new york city changed over the last 30 years I mean, it's barely recognizable from what it used to be. Yeah. There's one called Save Five Points Documentary on YouTube. But you know what? You're never going to win that battle because <laughs> the 
there's too much money to be made in knocking that down and putting up luxury high rises. Well, I guess the other thing you could have done is like what they've done with some of the uh, the big installation pieces. They cut out the the art and then they, you know, ship it somewhere or sell it or whatever. I mean, technically, I guess the guy would probably own it. So he would have been better off and probably made money by cutting it out and selling that piece of art and then doing something with his building, you know, it's pretty. Yeah, it's like what they do with the uh, the Banksy's whenever they find one of those. Yeah, because I guess, I guess the artist doesn't own it, right? It's kind of like it's on your piece of property, so it's yours. I don't know how that works, but that's what they've done with yeah. Banksy's, right? They, they sell them, so. Yep. 21 pieces of art he probably could have sold for a lot of money probably more than 6.7 million dollars it's quite possible yeah yeah so another interesting piece of new york city gone to put up yeah. more high rises that most more, people can't afford yeah more crap that we don't need probably pretty much mm-hmm. all right and now the final story we're giving you some breaking important health news. This is from UT Southwestern, uh, their medical center. Poor fitness linked to weaker brain fiber and higher dementia risk. So scientists have more evidence that exercise improves brain health and could be a life-saving ingredient that prevents Alzheimer's disease. So this study from the University of Texas's Southwestern O'Donnell Brain Institute suggests that the lower the fitness level, the faster the deterioration of vital nerve fibers in the brain. This deterioration results in cognitive decline, including memory issues characteristic of dementia patients. So this is pretty interesting. Um, You know, you, you always hear people say, you know, it's once you retire or once you stop doing anything, that's when everything falls apart on you, you know? And I guess this study is, you know, they were looking to prove that. And now they actually have real evidence behind the claim. Um, They're saying that the research supports the hypothesis. What's that? Like when you're exercising and stuff, your brain's going through all these different, you know, calculations and it's very active because it's, it's maintaining your body. So I imagine it's just like they say, if you don't like exercise your brain, like mentally with like, you know, like logic problems and, and things to stimulate your mind that like, it just gets a little bit like just sedentary, you know? So I imagine, you know, it seems kind of like it would fit into that. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't use it, you lose it. Right. It's almost, it's also like a car. You know, if you have a car, you leave it, you know, it's some, Sweet car, you leave it in the garage for 20 years. You don't turn it on. You don't change the fluids. It's just going to, engine's going to seize. It's going to rot away too. The, mm. the, the rubber on the tires are going to deteriorate. Um, same thing. Um, they're saying this research supports the hypothesis that improving people's fitness may improve their brain health and slow down the aging process, said Dr. Dan Ding, a neurologist from the Peter O'Donnell Jr. Brain Institute who authored the study. The study published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease focused on a type of brain tissue called white matter, which is comprised of millions of bundles of nerve fibers used by neurons to communicate across the brain. 
That's they awesome. enrolled older patients at high risk to develop Alzheimer's disease who have early signs of memory loss or mild cognitive impairment. The researchers determined that lower fitness levels were associated with weaker white matter, which in turn correlated with lower brain function. So I should get out there and hit the, hit the slopes. Shouldn't stay you know sedentary in, this, in, this, in the wintertime. Get out there. Remember we talked about that, uh, that gentleman in Utah who celebrated his, his uh, 100th birthday at Alta? Yeah. And he said Perfect that skiing is like a fountain of youth. Yeah. You know, this is a, there's so much evidence of people who are older, who are still at, out there active doing things, who still have their wits to them. You know, yeah. because they're they're moving, they're getting their the brain is a muscle, you know, and if you're using your body, that's a muscle too, and you get things all working together. They uh they had something on vice. Um I guess the season on vice, one of the segments was on uh is it Osaka? They say that it's got the longest longevity of people in the world right now. And they were saying how uh, I think it's Osaka, but they were saying how the people there, um, even into their, their elder years, they still stay very active and they do things, they dance, they, and it's a very social community. So everybody helps people, you know, people help their elders, like, you know, do stuff if, if things are a little bit tough, but the people don't stop doing things. So it's kind of, it's, it's like that same, same idea. They're out doing stuff. And they say like, I think the average age, uh, people are living into like well over 100 you know 105 110 is, is like a regular occurrence there yeah they probably don't have high fructose corn syrup and they stay active yeah they keep it active is the key right that what i want to see though is one of these i i read these studies and then they have all these institutes and stuff like that i want to see like the ronald mcdonald institute for brain function or the grimace that, you know, like I want to see something like that once in a while, just throw it in there, see if people really read all the fine print. I'm not sure I can get behind that, but I, uh, I respect your idea. Cause you know, there's gotta be some crazy named things at organizations out there. All right. All right. So I guess that about. Wraps up the old podcast for the week. That it does. That it does. After my coughing fit, I'm going to go watch some Olympics. There you go. So thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. Check us out on the socials, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast. We are on what are we on? SoundCloud as highfalutin skibum. We are on Pinterest as highfalutins. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. And subscribe and rate us, please, if you could, on your favorite podcasting app. And we will talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay gluten. See ya.